0: Welcome to the Dietitian Dad Podcast. I am Michael Murphy, father of three, registered dietitian, and your dad when it comes to weight loss, nutrition, and health. No quick fixes or easy answers here, just evidence-based advice to help you permanently change your life. This is a very special episode, episode number 27 of the Dietitian Dad podcast. I am Michael Murphy, registered dietitian, and it's a special episode because it is my one-year celebration. One year ago, I released my first episode of this podcast, and what an amazing year it has been for me personally with this podcast, and I hope for all of my listeners out there who have told me countless times in their feedback how much they enjoy listening to my podcast. And that is really all that matters to me. I have almost 10,000 listens over the 26 episodes, and now this is the 27th. Hundreds of DMs and messages from all of you with your comments, with your questions um, over the year. It has gone way beyond what I ever thought it would. So I want to thank you, my loyal listeners, and I want to thank you, anybody new who's come on and just started listening to me because these episodes I'm so proud of, and they will always be out there in the universe to listen to anytime. Okay, for my one-year anniversary episode, I'm going to go back to my roots. What are those? My major expertise is in weight loss surgery. So this episode is going to have a lot of weight loss surgery information in it for you. And what I'm really going to look at after I did those, t- those three episodes in the beginning of the, the first year on everything you need to know about weight loss surgery, and please go listen to those if you haven't, this one is going to address all of the top concerns, issues, all the stuff that I hear over and over again from my personal patients, from patients that, that reach out to me on social media and clients and people that have had weight loss surgery. So stay tuned for that because I'm going to address the most common complaints and issues. You're going to like that. But before I get into that, I just want to give a shout-out to Barry Nation, B-A-R-I Nation. It's a great group of folks. Um, They have a a YouTube channel. They have an Instagram, Barry.Nation on Instagram. And uh, a shout-out to Rob and April and Natalie and Jason. Um, They have me on as a guest last week. I, I had a great great time talking about carbohydrates and fats in the weight loss surgery patient's diet. It was really fun to do. Go to D- Barry Nation uh, podcast. You can find, you can find that and listen to it, or you can watch it on YouTube, whatever way you prefer. Um, it was a great time, so I appreciate them having me on. Okay, my mini subject of this podcast is based around a TikTok that I put out where I quoted some of the common comments that I get from weight loss surgery patients who have had weight loss surgery and lost weight, And what is said to them that strikes a chord in them and makes them feel some type of way. Usually not a good way. Even though the person saying those things to them is feeling like they're complimenting them. So I'm going to read you some of the comments that I got back from those who who replied on the video. They're very interesting. But first, I I beg and I plead sometimes. And, And this is where this podcast is my baby. It's everything to me. But it thrives on reviews. And with 10,000 listens, you would think I'd have thousands of reviews. Of course, I don't have thousands. It's very hard to get that many. I have 35 reviews on Apple. And I'll, I appreciate every one of them. And if you listened and you reviewed me, I appreciate you so much. But if you are listening right now and you haven't reviewed me or given me any type of rating or feedback, if you don't mind pausing this, if you're not driving and just going ahead and giving me a review. It would be so much appreciated. If you're listening on Spotify, Spotify has opened up a review um, capability on their their podcast uh, platform as well. So that's kind of nice because before Spotify you could not review. Feedback is so important to me. So, yes, if you can do that, thank you so much. Okay, so let me talk a little bit about, first, some of the funny comments and interesting comments that were said to people that lost weight. And just for context, if you didn't see the video, basically I quoted a few things like people saying your neck looks thinner, you look older, Um, I expect you to eat normally when we go on vacation. That was an interesting one that someone said to me because she was going on vacation with somebody and they were like pre-warning her that she shouldn't eat a specific type of way while she's on vacation. Don't get rid of your big clothes just in case, quote unquote, just in case. Um, Someone else said, I hardly recognize you now. A comment like, you're so beautiful, implies, of course, now you're beautiful and before you were not. And someone else said, I wish I had your willpower, implying it's all just willpower. (laughs) Now, I will say, you can argue that at the end of the day, then you really can say nothing. uh, Because anything you say can be taken the wrong way, and I wouldn't disagree with that. You can misconstrue any comment. When you comment on somebody's appearance, it usually doesn't go well. But I've asked you if you've had weight loss surgery, and most of you enjoy receiving compliments, so it really puts the person making the compliment into a little bit of a bind and a little bit of a a tough position to say just the right thing. Okay, so here are some of the comments that other people have reported receiving. Um, somebody said they, they receive advice on their facial care because of their deeper wrinkles in their face. Um, someone said you, the looking older thing and the you're so beautiful thing, and she finds that hurtful because only skinny people can be beautiful. Um, somebody said you must be much happier with yourself now, as if she ever wasn't happy with herself. Um Someone said, you've lost so much weight, you're going to melt away. This is a good one. Somebody said that, someone said to them that her husband got himself a trophy wife now. Meaning, again, beforehand, no trophy wife. Um, Someone said their family members get upset because they carry around a 64-ounce bottle of water everywhere. Like, that would matter. Someone said that... The significant other said to them, one of the reasons I went out with you was because you were, quote, safe, and I didn't have to worry that someone else would want to date you. Can you imagine saying that to somebody? Another one, you must feel so much better. The person that said that was like, "Um, I felt fine before, I wasn't sick. So that you must feel much better comment, it sounds pretty innocent to say, But it really does imply that you felt a a certain way just because there was more weight on you, so that's that's one you have to watch out for. Someone said, "I'm sorry you felt you needed surgery to be beautiful." Other comments: Okay, are you done losing weight now? That happens a lot, or that's all you lost so far. This comment struck a chord. Someone said, "I don't feel like my body is mine anymore." Everyone has an opinion. This person is five months post-op. And that's kind of true. Like, you're being looked at, scrutinized more, and, and your body's being commented on. Someone said, I hardly recognize you. You look so much better. Just reading that sounds so awful. Someone's family member said, I'm going to lose weight, too, but the right way. Okay, that's enough. I mean, I can go on and on, but you get the point. And it really is something that, in the scheme of life um, and the importance, it's not the highest thing, but I know if you're listening to this and you've attempted to lose weight or have lost weight, I know you can relate to these comments, and if somebody is listening to this podcast that hasn't had weight loss surgery and would be the commenter, I hope at least listening to this makes you think a little bit more about what you're going to say, if you say anything at all. All right, turn our attention now to the bulk of this podcast, and that is a fun one. Now, I see a lot of patients. I have a lot of clients. I go on TikTok Live, Instagram Live, Facebook. I'm all over the place, and I get a lot of similar questions and issues. It never bothers me because I'm always happy to clear anything up for somebody if they're having trouble. But because a lot of people ask the same things or have the same problems, why not make a podcast podcast? where I can get all of that information into one listen so you can learn from the common complaints and concerns, whether you're about to have weight loss surgery, had weight loss surgery, or maybe you're you're, um, further out from weight loss surgery and have the similar issues. All right, the most common question that I get is, how do I calculate my calories, my macros, my protein? All of the things that I consume, how do I know what I should be eating, how much of it? Now I've done podcasts on these types of topics, you can go back and listen, but in in the context of this one small question, I'm not going to spend more than a minute answering this here, but here's the thing, my most common response is, I need to know so much more about you. If I'm going to truly help the individual person asking this question to really figure out what their needs are, then it's going to take some time, and it's going to require me knowing so many things about them from the basics of are they male or female, how old are they, their height, their weight. I need to know their medical history. That's huge, what medications they're taking. Of course, when they had their surgery. Even things like what their highest weight was, how many times they've lost weight and gained it back, what their job is. What's their exercise like? There are just just a million little tidbits of information that will give me a a greater idea for what they should be intaking. So to answer this question to all of you great listeners out there, I would say just make it simple. Consume protein every time you eat and consume it first. 10, 15, 20 grams of protein four times a day. Then go ahead and eat intuitively, meaning what do you crave what do you feel like you still need to eat? Are you looking for a vegetable, some fiber? Do you feel like you need some carbs for energy? Listen to your body. Your body will tell you. It really does. And if you listen to it, then you, you, you can see the level of, of portions you're consuming and how many grams of protein you end up eating and then see how your weight responds, let's say over a month or two months, or how your inches respond or how you feel. And then we can go with that data and then utilize that going forward. But keep in mind, as every pound that you lose changes your needs for energy, changes your needs for carbs and proteins and all those things. So it actually is, a, is not a static number. It's a moving piece. And that's why someone would, let's say, hire a coach or a dietitian like myself or work with their dietitian in the office to help them traverse through all these all this data and to find what works for them so I know it's confusing but it's definitely doable okay next up very common what do I do about increased portions what do I do about my appetite let's say a couple months out of surgery or even a couple of years out of surgery let's say I'm 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 scared I'm eating more the portions are larger um this is a very common concern and and most people most patients fear this when they go into surgery because they always hear the horror stories about regaining weight back so when it comes to portions we have to accept that you're not going to eat the same amount of food in the first few months than you will the first the the first year or a year later two years later it is going to be a larger portion of food there's a lot of swelling when you have the surgery so you're very very tight as the months go on the portions will increase and what you should do is settle into an amount of food approximate amount of food that works for you now whether that's a half a cup of food or one cup of food, or a little bit more than a cup of food, it's important to settle in and figure out the portions and then pre-measure that before you eat. And speaking of pre-measuring, this is another common question that is debated in the community of weight loss surgery. It's the measuring via volume or measuring via weight. Both volume and weight are measured in ounces, so a lot of my clients and people on the internet get confused about how they should measure. And there are different opinions. There's some doctors who and dietitians who recommend volume and some who recommend weighing their foods. I personally, I'm a volume type of guy. I do recommend putting your food in a volume measurement before you eat it. But I have no problem with somebody also or somebody else going the weight route, meaning they're putting their food on a food scale and they're weighing it. But you know what? Erase the volume, erase the weight. And what you can do, get rid of both, is just... Serve yourself a small portion of food, go back to that protein first rule that I constantly push on you, and listen to your body and eat slowly. And you know what? I'm going to guarantee you that you will not eat much more than a half or three quarters of a cup of food, maybe more, maybe a cup, and the, the weight of that food you know, will be the same. Next up, commonly, stretching the pouch. Can you stretch your pouch? I hear this all the time. Pouch resets forget the pouch reset. There's no scientific data to to back that up. Don't do it. But if you think you stretched your pouch, and, and honestly, it's not really something you can do. I'm not saying you can't. Well, let me take that back. You could possibly stretch the pouch a little bit over time. But mostly what you're doing is you're just eating without thinking. And you're able to eat more because you're snacking or grazing or sneaking more calories down through the pouch not because you stretched it just because you've gotten away from what works or what worked in the first year so instead of a pouch reset think back to what you did the first or the third fourth fifth month after surgery and go back to the eating like that that worked for you okay on to weight loss stalls that word stall is the worst word ever invented when it comes to weight loss surgery it's such a negative word you stalled you're done can't go on anymore. You're just out of gas. You know. it, it, we need to change the word, but that's for another time. You never truly stall when you don't see the scale move. You are not losing weight, but your body is changing. It's changing all of the time. Um, it has to change if, if your calorie consumption is well below what your body needs. You will lose something, but you may not always see it measured on a scale. And not only that, I've noticed there are certain times after surgery when somebody sees the scales stop moving or really slow down. And the problem is most people who have weight loss surgery lose a ton of weight the first one to two months. A lot of water weight, but a ton of weight nonetheless. So when they lose 10, 20, 30 pounds in a month, it spoils them. And then when they go to a a four or five pound month, they consider that a stall. When in reality, that's completely normal. And those natural um, slowdowns in weight loss typically occur a couple weeks after surgery, then a couple months after surgery, then around one year or eight, well, ten months to one year. And these can really bring somebody down and and just deflate you. So it's important to understand that these are normal processes in the post-op weight loss surgery world and just accept them for what they are and not let them get you down because you have to keep fighting. Okay, another question I get a lot is, what is my goal weight? How do I know what my goal weight is? And when I have somebody in f- sitting, standing in front of me and I can look at them, I'm pretty good at kind of giving them a number of what they should weigh. But honestly, that's not even that important. What I find is if you're doing what you need to do in terms of the eating and the exercise and the motivation, your body's going to finish up where it needs to finish up at. And you're, you're going to be pretty pleased with that number unless you have a really high expectation. Let's say you're five foot four and you want to get down to 110 pounds or something like that if you're a female. Um, but but we want to, to just keep pushing and not focusing so much on an actual number on the scale because let's say you don't meet that expectation at a certain point, then you're disappointed in yourself. Even though you lost 100 pounds, you were expecting to lose 110 pounds by a certain date. That's not the best way to think. So, um... At least give yourself a range of goal weight, like 150 to 180, for instance. You know, some a big enough number. Okay, and the last common thing I get asked a lot is how to stay motivated. Well, my answer to that is, first of all, very few hu- human beings can be 100%, 10 out of 10 motivated every single morning they wake up to the time they go to bed. It's just almost impossible. So... You can't expect yourself to be able to do that. Go into the surgery, or if you've had it, re just reassess where that motivation is and understand there's going to be a day, two days a week, that you're just not going to be feeling it. The key is to not let it, that linger on into a second, a third, a fourth day. That's really, really important to do. Now, many clients I work with have significant life-altering stresses, a loss of a loved one, a move, um, loss of a job or a new job, something that really, you know, just gets them hard and makes it really hard to stay motivated. And that is understandable if that goes and lingers on. But you still have to forgive yourself for that because there's a major reason why. One of the most common things I'll see in somebody who has hit a very long plateau, like three, four months, there's Almost, not, almost 100% of the time, there is an underlying condition or an underlying cause for that plateau in terms of a life-altering um, stress that occurred in that person's life. Almost every single time without fail. So what does that tell us? Well, we, we can try our best to overcome, but we also have to give ourselves grace if things happen in life that get in the way of our motivation and our focus and weather that storm, and come out stronger than ever once it's over. Now, if there's not a major life stressor, but just some type of maybe a mental block, or something where a depressive episode sets in that's just kind of hit you really hard, then you have to make sure you you at least accept that that's the case, and seek help if you can. If If you have the wherewithal, if you have the resources to find somebody to go see, to get you out of that funk you're in, if it's a if it's a mental issue, or um, if you need a medication, for instance, whatever it may be, because that can go on and on and on, and that can be tough to get out of. But ultimately, the motivation is something that is learned, it's something that you have to work at, and you have to find what works for you to keep yourself in that mindset. And even if you've reached your goal weight, you still have to stay motivated to work hard every single day. Um, And all of us have our own um, ways of being motivated staying motivated in our lives now what works for me i go to the gym every, every single day i mean if i miss a day it's rare and why do i keep going i try to think about and just remind myself of how lucky i am to be a 48 year old man with a wonderful family of all the, all the all the great things that have come to me in life but not only that to have limbs to have you know arms and legs that work Um, a a back that's not in pain, two eyes that work, um, just things that you wake up every day and take for granted. We all do it. Just reminding myself that I have this body that's capable of movement that can do so much, and I'm so lucky to be able to do that, that it's a shame to waste a day sitting down all day or getting up, going to a job, sitting, driving home, just, just being very sedentary. So that drives me to keep pushing myself so that as I get older, I can prevent further, you know, issues from developing. Because, you know, as we all get older, these things can happen. So whatever works for you, though, get that mindset and remind yourself, if you want to use mine, that's great. Because, let's face it, we all have blessings and we're all very lucky in our own world, even with some of the, the unnecess- you know, some disappointments in life and things that can happen to us. All right, hopefully that was good. Um, there are many more, many more questions and issues I'm sure I can address in a future episode. If you like this episode, you can let me know. You can message me on Instagram, dietitian underscore dad. Let me know what you thought. I always appreciate the feedback. And reminding, you, and reminding you again, give me that review if you haven't done it yet. I would be forever grateful to you for doing so. All right, again, I want to thank you so much for this first year anniversary and, and following along with me and being a part of this journey with me. We're going to keep going into year number two. You guys have a great couple weeks. We'll see you back here. And as my daughter likes to say, go out there and slay. See you next time. Follow me on Instagram and TikTok at dietitian underscore dad while you wait for the next episode to drop. And remember, permanent changes lead to permanent results. Welcome to the Dietitian Dad Podcast. I am Michael Murphy, father of three, registered dietitian, and your dad when it comes to weight loss, nutrition, and health. No quick fixes or easy answers here, just evidence-based advice to help you permanently change your life. All right. Hey, everybody. This is episode number 28, one of the most boring numbers you can think of, but this, my friends is the episode that I want you to listen to above all of the other episodes. Now, I don't know exactly what I'm about to say in the next 10 or 15 minutes, but I can tell you one thing. It is going to change your life. Okay, so maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit here, but the topic is fiber. I'm trying to make it sound really exciting, and you know what? It can be exciting, and you can learn a lot, about yourself, and about any type of issue that you have in terms of your health or your weight loss if you focus in on this one important carbohydrate, fiber. Okay, so you might be thinking to yourself, you know, I don't want to listen for my own personal pleasure and my limited time about fiber for 10 or 15 minutes, but you've been listening to me for a while now, so trust me, you do want to listen to this. It's coming up in a minute. But as I do every episode, I like to tackle a smaller, detailed subject before I get into the bulk of my, my podcast. Before I even do that, can I please remind you, take a second and please go over and review me. Apple, Spotify now allows reviews. Just help spread the word about this podcast. It would be so appreciated. Okay, many of you know that in addition to full time being a full-time dietitian, for the Weight Loss Institute of Arizona, I also do some side coaching and I take on a handful of clients each month that I work with and one of the clients, without divulging her name, I just want to go into a little bit about what we recently talked about because it has a lot to do with um, how many of my clients and, and people in general when there comes to weight loss struggle when they reach a certain point where their body kind of just gets to the point where it's happy. And it's hard to lose any more weight. And when I jump on a phone call with one one of my clients, it can go in so many different directions. And um, it's always interesting the directions that it may go. And this particular phone call was very interesting to me because this client of mine was somebody who was only about 10 or 15 pounds away from what she considered to be a comfortable rest-of-your-life goal weight. And that's really all the information you need to know. But the most important thing here is the exercise component for her. She had increased her exercise despite some limitations with her body to the point where she can walk uh, for an hour on a treadmill. And she was incorporating some incline work and making sure that she was challenging herself. But when I asked her a little bit more detail about that, she did freely admit that she really wasn't getting that out of breath. She wasn't feeling like, or maybe or another way of saying it, she was feeling like, Maybe she could have pushed herself a little bit harder, but eh, she was like, okay, I'm good with what I'm doing. And here's the problem when weight loss is occurring. There's usually a point where the caloric intake is only going to be low enough. You can't go much lower. So we have to get that calorie burn from exercise. And that's where we can say to ourselves, well, at least I'm exercising, at least I'm doing something. So we're happy with that. But that's now the new threshold. Just the actual exercise is the standard. Now we have to step up our game and really dig deep into that exercise hour that we're using to making sure that we're pushing ourselves as best as we can without getting injured. So if you're listening to me right now and you're stuck at a certain point, despite the fact that you feel like your caloric intake is at a good level, this is my reminder to you to take whatever normal exercise habits you have, push yourself to work harder. Many personal trainers will tell you there's never a point in the exercise world where you can get complacent and feel like, okay, you're in good enough shape so you don't have to work as hard. You should always be challenging your body. So that's my lesson for the day before I get into my fiber talk. Take another look at your exercise and step up your game. Okay, let's talk about fiber. Oh yeah, fiber. Fiber is a dietary material containing substances such as cellulose, lignin, and peptin that are resistant to the action of digestive enzymes. How exciting is this? You can consume something that your the enzymes in your digestive tract, Are resistant to? I mean, come on, that's amazing, isn't it? All right, now that I have your attention, let's dive in. Fiber has been talked about on this podcast in a few previous episodes, but I really want to hone in on it because it needs its own episode for a good reason. Fiber itself, by virtue of not really being digested, can have an amazing effect on your body and your weight loss altogether. The average American diet gets under 15 grams of fiber per day. Now there's all sorts of different sized people and calorie needs for people so the needs for fiber can really vary but an average of under 15 grams is an atrocity. Hey if 10,000 of you listen to this podcast and go kill the fiber intake maybe we can all together Raise that from 15 to like 15.1. Okay, so you know I like my studies. And one such study that was published, 2019 October issue of the Journal of Nutrition, looked a little bit closer at the fiber intake and how it affected weight loss. The study followed obese or overweight individuals for six months, and they broke each of them up into four different categories. One group was on a low-fat, average protein, another group low-fat, high protein, another one was on a high-fat, average protein, and the last one was on a high-fat, high-protein diet. All four diets were designed to include 20 grams of fiber each. And I should also add that each of the four diets also had a caloric reduction in total energy by about 750 calories, so there was already going to be some expected weight loss regardless of the fiber. However, when some groups raise their fiber intake by just four grams per day over that number, they lost an additional three plus pounds over those six months. Now that's not a ton of weight loss, but remember they were already going to be losing weight. So that extra three pounds is a lot. And they also found, this is very important, that those who increased their fiber intake in that study were much more likely to adhere to the diet that they were assigned. Because let's face it, in these studies, it's not assumed everybody's eating exactly what they're supposed to be every day. Okay, so now let's jump over to everybody's favorite topic, bowel movements. This is what we all know about fiber. Having a healthy bowel movement makes all of us very happy people. So when we think about this, we think about how the fiber can affect it, whether we're in a good mood or a bad mood. So you can see how fiber can affect our mood if we're backed up or not. And this is the most important thing I get asked when somebody talks to me about fiber. Is about constipation, having the ability to have a healthy bowel movement each day is one of the most important things we take for granted in life, isn't it? Fiber is so necessary for a healthy stool because it helps increase the size and the weight of the stool and at the same time helping to soften it so that it can pass easily. Now you may have heard there's two different types of fiber, soluble fiber and insoluble fiber. They're easy to define because of their names. Soluble fiber, it soaks up water. It's soluble and it dissolves, creating a a gel-like substance. This solubility helps bulk up the stool and helps to prevent constipation. Now, the insoluble fiber is not soluble in water, so its primary um, purpose is to also bulk up the stool, but it also helps the stool move through the colon quicker. Types of soluble fiber sources would be oats, your oatmeal, beans, nuts, certain fruits, insoluble fiber, a lot of insoluble fiber in vegetables, and whole grain products. So really when it comes to fiber, your goal is to just consume fiber. You don't have to try to get soluble fiber this much, that much insoluble fiber, because if you just eat a balanced diet with high-fibrous foods, you're going to have a nice variety of both of those fibers. Now if you're just typically going to eat fiber because you know its effects on uh, helping constipation and, and having healthy bowel movements, great for you. You have these side effects that I'm going to talk about that you don't even realize you're getting from it, though, and that's fine with me. You don't have to know everything about fiber. But listening to this podcast, hopefully you're learning a few things and keeping fiber at the forefront of your diet. And If you look around the world population, those areas of the world that live a long time, you're going to find that they share this in common. They typically consume high-fiber diets. The Mediterranean diet is one of the best diets you can, you can eat, and you're going to have healthy fats and good fiber in that diet. Um, so, of course, that gives you proof right there. But the benefits to fiber, um, one such study was done in Medscape, and it showed an increase in soluble fiber. I mentioned you can have both, but the increase in soluble fiber had a link to a decreased risk of dementia, which I find very important because how scary dementia can be in Alzheimer's can be as we age. And that study, they followed 3,700 adults for 20 years, which is a great long-term study. And they found that the the population that consumed the most fiber had a 25% decreased risk of dementia. Now, there's a lot of factors here in terms of what they were eating, so we can't give it too much credit. But it still is nice to see this. And let's talk about uh, coronary artery disease. Um, risk of stroke or diabetes or colon cancer. Um, one World Health Organization study also showed a 15 to 30 percent decreased risk of all of these comorbidities in the high fiber diet population. And they recommended getting about 25 to 30 grams of fiber a day. Now that's their recommendation, but I want to go a little bit further with that and mention that it really does depend on your size. It depends on um, height, weight, and also how many calories you consume a day in terms of how much fiber you might need. So 25 to 30, I think is a good recommendation, but there are some um, taller people, um, heavier people, or people that consume more calories that may need or, or actually thrive on 35 to even 45 grams of fiber. Once you hit that 50 gram mark, That might be a little bit overload for your colon, so I wouldn't go too, too much over 50 grams a day. And I must note that if we're going to get that fiber increase, we have to do it slowly, not go from an average of 10 grams of fiber up to 35 grams. You will not feel good for a few weeks in terms of your body regulating itself to that increased fiber that it wasn't ready for, and we have to increase that water to keep the stool um, watery, Get that, get that water down into that colon really helps as well. So make sure that if you're going to change your diet up to increase, more, increase your fiber intake, that you also get that water intake to go along with it and that you increase your fiber intake slowly. So let's talk about how fiber can be life-changing when it comes to weight loss and, and how you're already eating fiber. Obviously, nobody listening to this is consuming zero grams of fiber a day. So by increasing your fiber by 25%, going from 15 to 20 grams, from 20 to 25 grams a day, you might notice an unbelievable difference not only in how you feel, in your weight loss, in your um, your, your less cravings, for instance, because fiber-rich meals they have this mouth feel, they have this, they're, they're hard, they they require more chewing, they require a longer time to digest. So the and and because of the fiber you have a uh, slower blood sugar response once it enters the gut that you feel s- satiated for a longer period of time. Now, fiber is a carbohydrate. I'm not sure if I mentioned this, and that's pretty much well known. And for most, car- for all carbohydrates, you're getting about 4 calories per gram of carbohydrate. But when you factor in the, un- the non-digestibility of the fiber part, When you consume fiber with other carbs, you might be getting as low as two calories per gram. Um, That's half as much. So it's going to be um, less energy-dense. In other words, a lot of bulk and a lot of chewing, but less calories. Um, An energy-dense food would be something like peanut butter or, or oil, a very small amount of food with a lot of calories. So when you have that lower energy density with a lot of chewing, You feel satiated, you feel like you're eating a lot of food, but in reality, your caloric intake is lower. This is so, so important for weight loss. It's one of the major things you should be following, major um, theories or um, habits you should be following when it comes to losing weight is that concept of energy density, and fiber plays a big role there. I mean, come on, how cool is it? You can eat something, it can pass through your intestinal tract, go into your colon, undigested, and come out in your stool. It's like undigestible man or undigestible woman with a superpower to not digest all of your calories you consume. And if you listen to my podcast, you know about ghrelin. That's that pesky hunger hormone. And studies do point to a high-fiber diet decreasing that plasma ghrelin, which is, again, the hunger hormone. And it will slow the rate of post-meal increases in glucose and the insulin blood levels to uh, prevent that kind of hypoglycemic reaction that leads to more hunger. How great is this? So that fiber is going to decrease your hunger post-meal and keep you satiated during the meal to where you aren't going to overeat your calories. Okay, and I should also note as a final kind of caper to this uh, in terms of supplements of fiber, which I often recommend something such as Benefiber or Metamucil. This is a psyllium fiber that is that it's fiber, but I found many studies show that in a supplement form versus a real food form, the fiber in supplements tend not to have as well of an effect on your satiety or your ability to feel full longer, any of that stuff, but it still helps with that whole bowel movement thing. So You can definitely take your fiber supplements, but I'm really, really wanting you to look at getting most of your fiber from real food. Okay, how cool is this? Fiber, soluble, insoluble, insoluble, different functions, mostly undigested in our body, provides increased satiety, increased fullness, delays, delays absorption, delays glucose response and insulin, requires more chewing, making the person eating fiber feel like they're eating more and they're not eating more calories because of it helps to, to prevent constipation, healthy bowel movement. I mean, I can go on and on. Not to mention the studies pointing to dementia risk, to car- coronary artery disease, to diabetes, colon cancer, just an overall healthy existence. And the funniest part of it all is that it's a carbohydrate. The poor carbohydrate... Getting no love for the last twenty to thirty years, ironically, that fiber shows you just how important a carbohydrate can be in your diet. So, what are you going to do now that you've got this far in my podcast? You're going to stop listening in a minute, and I want you to go and kind of assess, if best you can, how much fiber you think you get in a day, and I want you to increase that by twenty five percent. Do this for a couple of weeks. If your goal is weight loss, see if doing this helps move weight off you. If your goal is to have a healthier bowel movement, see if it helps you do that. If you if you just want to be less hungry all day, that's key too. After 25% for a few weeks, increase a little bit more. So 15 grams a day to 20, go up to 25. But again, I want you to try to get it from food. Fruits and vegetables, whole grains, all the things I mentioned, beans, if you do this after about one month or two months or maybe even three months, please reach out to me and let me know the results and if anything changed for you. I really want to hear the feedback. You can DM me on diet at dietitian underscore dad on Instagram. You can even email me, registereddietitianmike at gmail.com. And if you happen to be one of the few that get your fiber, you're good at it, You're hitting 30 grams a day. You're upwards of maybe even 35 and 40 grams a day. And yet you still feel like you struggle with hunger. Your weight still seems to be too high. I still want you to try to increase it. Maybe not as much, but try to increase a little bit more. And I want to to hear from you as well to see if that helps you. And I should say at the end of this podcast, even though it's fiber and pretty inconsequential in terms of increasing it, Make sure you check with your doctor and let them know him or her know that you are doing this, if you have the ability to do that, just in case there's a health issue that um, might prevent or might hurt from consuming more fiber. So just make sure you consult with your doctor. Okay, I told you this podcast is going to change your life. Am I right? Something as simple as fiber? This might be the life-changing podcast I promised you in the beginning. All right, you guys. I will be back in two weeks with another great podcast Take care of yourself and hey, spread the fiber word. Make sure everybody knows about it. (laughs) All right, we'll see you next time. Follow me on Instagram and TikTok at dietitian underscore dad while you wait for the next episode to drop. And remember permanent changes lead to permanent results. Welcome to the Dietitian Dad Podcast. I am Michael Murphy, father of three, registered dietitian, and your dad when it comes to weight loss, nutrition, and health. No quick fixes or easy answers here, just evidence-based advice to help you permanently change your life. All right. Hey, everybody. This is episode number 28, one of the most boring numbers you can think of. But this, my friends, is the episode that I want you to listen to above all of the other episodes. Now, I don't know exactly what I'm about to say in the next 10 or 15 minutes, but I can tell you one thing. It is going to change your life. Okay, so maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit here, but the topic is fiber. I'm trying to make it sound really exciting, and you know what? It can be exciting, and you can learn a lot about yourself and about any type of issue that you have in terms of your health or your weight loss if you focus in on this one important carbohydrate, fiber. Okay, so you might be thinking to yourself, you know, I don't want to listen for my own personal pleasure and my limited time about fiber for 10 or 15 minutes, but you've been listening to me for a while now, so trust me, you do want to listen to this. It's coming up in a minute, but as I do every episode, I like to tackle a smaller, detailed subject before I get into the bulk of my, my podcast. Before I even do that, can I please remind you, take a second and please go over and review me. Apple, Spotify now allows reviews. Just help spread the word about this podcast. It would be so appreciated. Okay, many of you know that in addition to a full time being a full-time dietitian for the Weight Loss Institute of Arizona, I also do some side coaching and I take on a handful of clients each month that I work with. And one of the clients, without divulging her name, I just want to go into a little bit about what we recently talked about because it has a lot to do with um, how many of my clients and and people in general, when it comes to weight loss struggle, when they reach a certain point where their body kind of just gets to the point where it's happy and it's hard to lose any more weight. And when I jump on a phone call with one one of my clients, it can go in so many different directions and um, it's always interesting the directions that it may go. And this particular phone call was very interesting to me because this client of mine was somebody who was only about 10 or 15 pounds away from what she considered to be a comfortable rest of your life goal weight. And that's really all the information you need to know. But The most important thing here is the exercise component for her. She had increased her exercise, despite some limitations with her body, to the point where she can walk uh, for an hour on a treadmill. And she was incorporating some incline work and making sure that she was challenging herself. But when I asked her a little bit more detail about that, she did freely admit that she really wasn't getting that out of breath. She wasn't feeling like, or maybe, or another way of saying it, she was feeling like maybe she could have pushed herself a little bit harder But, eh, she was like, okay, I'm good with what I'm doing. And here's the problem when weight loss is occurring. There's usually a point where the caloric intake is only going to be low enough. You can't go much lower. So we have to get that calorie burn from exercise. And that's where we can say to ourselves, well, at least I'm exercising. At least I'm doing something, so we're happy with that. But that's now the new threshold. Just the actual exercise is the standard Now we have to step up our game and really dig deep into that exercise hour that we're using to making sure that we're pushing ourselves as best as we can without getting injured. So if you're listening to me right now and you're stuck at a certain point, despite the fact that you feel like your caloric intake is at a good level, this is my reminder to you to take whatever normal exercise habits you have, push yourself to work harder. Many personal trainers will tell you there's never a point in the exercise world where you can get complacent and feel like, okay, you're in good enough shape, so you don't have to work as hard. You should always be challenging your body. So that's my lesson for the day before I get into my fiber talk. Take another look at your exercise and step up your game. Okay, let's talk about fiber. Oh, yeah. Yeah fiber. Fiber is a dietary material containing substances such as cellulose, lignin, and peptin that are resistant to the action of digestive enzymes. How exciting is this? You can consume something that your the enzymes in your digestive tract are resistant to? I mean, come on, that's amazing, isn't it? All right, now that I have your attention, let's dive in. Fiber has been talked about on this podcast in a few previous episodes, but I really want to hone in on it because it needs its own episode for a good reason. Fiber itself, by virtue of not really being digested, can have an amazing effect on your body and your weight loss altogether. The average American diet gets under 15 grams of fiber per day. Now, there's all sorts of different sized people and calorie needs for people, so the needs for fiber can really vary, but an average of under 15 grams is an atrocity. Hey, if 10,000 of you listen to this podcast and go kill the fiber intake, maybe we can all together raise that from 15 to like 15.1. Okay, so you know I like my studies, and one such study that was published, 2019, October issue of the Journal of Nutrition, looked a little bit closer at the fiber intake and how it affected weight loss. The study followed obese or overweight individuals for six months, and they broke each of them up into four different categories. One group was on a low-fat, average protein, another group low-fat, high protein, another one was on a high-fat, average protein And the last one was on a high-fat, high-protein diet. All four diets were designed to include 20 grams of fiber each. And I should also add that each of the four diets also had a caloric reduction in total energy by about 750 calories. So there was already going to be some expected weight loss regardless of the fiber. However, when some groups raise their fiber intake by just four grams per day over that number, they lost an additional three-plus pounds over those six months. Now, that's not a ton of weight loss, but remember, they were already going to be losing weight, so that extra three pounds is a lot. And they also found, this is very important, that those who increased their fiber intake in that study were much more likely to adhere to the diet that they were assigned because, let's face it, in these studies... It's not assumed everybody's eating exactly what they're supposed to be every day. Okay, so now let's jump over to everybody's favorite topic, bowel movements. This is what we all know about fiber. Having a healthy bowel movement makes all of us very happy people. So when we think about this, we think about how the fiber can affect it, whether we're in a good mood or a bad mood. So you can see how fiber can affect our mood if we're backed up or not. And this is the most important thing I get asked when somebody talks to me about fiber. It's about constipation, having the ability to have a healthy bowel movement each day is one of the most important things we take for granted in life, isn't it? Fiber is so necessary for a healthy stool because it helps increase the size and the weight of the stool and at the same time helping to soften it so that it can pass easily. Now, you may have heard there's two different types of fiber, soluble fiber and insoluble fiber. They're easy to define because of their names. Soluble fiber, it soaks up water. It's soluble, and it dissolves, creating a a gel-like substance. This solubility helps bulk up the stool and helps to prevent constipation. Now, the insoluble fiber is not soluble in water, so... Its primary um, purpose is to also bulk up the stool, but it also helps the stool move through the colon quicker. Types of soluble fiber sources would be oats, your oatmeal, beans, nuts, certain fruits, insoluble fiber, a lot of insoluble fiber in vegetables, and whole grain products. So really when it comes to fiber, your goal is to just consume fiber. You don't have to try to get soluble fiber, this much, that much insoluble fiber, because if you just eat a balanced diet with high-fibrous foods, you're going to have a nice variety of both of those fibers. Now, if you're just typically going to eat fiber because you know its effects on uh, helping constipation and, and having healthy bowel movements, great for you. You have these side effects that I'm going to talk about that you don't even realize you're getting from it, though, and that's fine with me. You don't have to know everything about fiber, but listening to this podcast hopefully you're learning a few things, and keeping fiber at the forefront of your diet. And if you look around the world population, those areas of the world that live a long time, you're going to find that they share this in common. They typically consume high fiber diets. The Mediterranean diet is one of the best diets you can can eat, and you're going to have healthy fats and good fiber in that diet. Um, So, Of course, that gives you proof right there. But the benefits to fiber, um, one such study was done in Medscape, and it showed an increase in soluble fiber. I mentioned you can have both, but the increase in soluble fiber had a link to a decreased risk of dementia, which I find very important because how scary dementia can be and Alzheimer's can be as we age. And that study, they followed 3,700 adults for 20 years, which is a great long-term study and they found that the the population that consumed the most fiber had a 25% decreased risk of dementia. Now, there's a lot of factors here in terms of what they were eating, so we can't give it too much credit, but it still is nice to see this. And let's talk about uh, coronary artery disease, um, risk of stroke or diabetes or colon cancer. Um, One World Health Organization study also showed a 15 to 30% decreased risk of all of these comorbidities in the high-fiber diet population. And they recommended getting about 25 to 30 grams of fiber a day. Now, that's their recommendation, but I want to go a little bit further with that and mention that it really does depend on your size. It, de- it depends on um, height, weight, and also how many calories you consume a day in terms of how much fiber you might need. So, 25 to 30, I think is a good recommendation, but there are some, um, taller people, um, heavier people or people that consume more calories that may need or, or actually thrive on 35 to even 45 grams of fiber. Once you hit that 50 gram mark, that might be a little bit overload for your colon. So I wouldn't go too, too much over 50 grams a day. And I must note, that if we're going to get that fiber increase, we have to do it slowly. Not go from an average of 10 grams of fiber up to 35 grams. You will not feel good for a few weeks in terms of your body regulating itself to that increased fiber that it wasn't ready for. And we have to increase that water to keep the stool um, watery. Get that get that water down into that colon really helps as well. So make sure that if you are going to change your diet up to increase more increase your fiber intake, that you also get that water intake to go along with it and that you increase your fiber intake slowly so let's talk about how fiber can be life-changing when it comes to weight loss and and how you're already eating fiber obviously nobody listening to this is consuming zero grams of fiber a day so by increasing your fiber by 25 percent going from 15 to 20 grams from 20 to 25 grams a day you might notice an unbelievable difference not only in how you feel in your weight loss in your um, your your less cravings, for instance, because fiber rich meals they have this mouth feel. They have this. They're they're heart, they, they require more chewing. They require a longer time to digest. So the and and because of the fiber, you have a uh, slower blood sugar response once it enters the gut. That you feel s- satiated for a longer period of time. Now, fiber is a carbohydrate. I'm not sure if I mentioned this, and that's pretty much well known. And for most, for all carbohydrates, you're getting about four calories per gram of carbohydrate. But when you factor in the, un, the non-digestibility of the fiber part, when you consume fiber with other carbs, you're, you might be getting as low as two calories per gram. Um, that's half as much. So it's going to be um, less energy dense. In other words a lot of bulk and a lot of chewing, but less calories. Um, an energy-dense food would be something like peanut butter or, or oil, a very small amount of food with a lot of calories. So when you have that lower energy density with a lot of chewing, you feel satiated, you feel like you're eating a lot of food, but in reality, your caloric intake is lower. This is so, so important for weight loss. It's one of the major things you should be following, major... Um, theories or um, habits you should be following when it comes to losing weight is that concept of energy density and fiber plays a big role there. I mean, come on, how cool is it you can eat something, it can pass through your intestinal tract, go into your colon, undigested and come out in your stool. It's like undigestible man or undigestible woman with a superpower to not digest all of your calories you consume. And if you listen to my podcast, you know about ghrelin. That's that pesky hunger hormone. And studies do point to a high-fiber diet decreasing that plasma ghrelin, which is, again, the hunger hormone. And it will slow the rate of post-meal increases in glucose and the insulin blood levels to uh, prevent that kind of hypoglycemic reaction that leads to more hunger. How great is this? So that fiber is going to decrease your hunger post-meal and keep you satiated during the meal to where you aren't going to overeat your calories. Okay, and I should also note as a final um, kind of caper to this uh, in terms of supplements of fiber, which I often recommend something such as Benefiber or Metamucil. This is a psyllium fiber that is that it's fiber, but I found many studies show that in a supplement form versus a real food form, the fiber in supplements tend not to have as well of an effect on your satiety or your ability to feel full longer, any of that stuff, but it still helps with that whole bowel movement thing. So you can definitely take your fiber supplements, but I'm really, really wanting you to look at getting most of your fiber from real food. Okay, how cool is this? Fiber, soluble, insoluble, insoluble different functions, mostly undigested in our body. Provides increased satiety, increased fullness. Delays delays absorption. Delays glucose response and insulin. Requires more chewing, making the person eating fiber feel like they're eating more and they're not eating more calories because of it. Helps to, to prevent constipation. Healthy bowel movement. I mean, I can go on and on. Not to mention the studies pointing to dementia risk to car- coronary artery disease, to diabetes, colon cancer, just an overall healthy existence. And the funniest part of it all is that it's a carbohydrate. The poor carbohydrate, getting no love for the last 20 to 30 years, I ironically, that fiber shows you just how important a carbohydrate can be in your diet. So what are you going to do now that you've got this far in my podcast? You're going to l- stop listening in a minute and I want you to go a- kind of assess, if you- best you can, how much fiber you think you get in a day. And I want you to increase that by 25%. Do this for a couple of weeks. If your goal is weight loss, see if doing this helps move weight off you. If your goal is to have a healthier bowel movement, see if it helps you do that. If you If you just want to be less hungry all day, that's key too. After 25% for a few weeks, increase a little bit more. So 15 grams a day to 20, go up to 25. But again, I want you to try to get it from food, fruits and vegetables, whole grains, all the things I mentioned, beans. If you do this after about one month or two months or maybe even three months, please reach out to me and let me know the results and if anything changed for you. I really want to hear the feedback. You can DM me at dietitian underscore dad on Instagram. You can even email me, registereddietitianmike at gmail.com. And if you happen to be one of the few that get your fiber, you're good at it. You're hitting 30 grams a day. You're upwards of maybe even 35 and 40 grams a day. And yet you still feel like you struggle with hunger. Your weight still seems to be too high. I still want you to try to increase it. Maybe not as much, but try to increase a little bit more and I want to see I want to hear from you as well to see if that helps you. And I should say at the end of this podcast, even though it's fiber and, and pretty inconsequential in terms of increasing it, make sure you check with your doctor and let them know him or her know that you are doing this if you have the ability to do that just in case there's a health issue that um, might prevent or might hurt from consuming more fiber. So just make sure you consult with your doctor. Okay, I told you this podcast is going to change your life. Am I right? Something as simple as fiber? This might be the life-changing podcast I promised you in the beginning. All right, you guys. I will be back in two weeks with another great podcast. Take care of yourself. And hey, spread the fiber word. Make sure everybody knows about it. (laughs) All right, we'll see you next time. Follow me on Instagram and TikTok at dietitian underscore dad while you wait for the next episode to drop. And remember, permanent changes lead to permanent results.